Abide with me, crown him with many crowns, hark the herald angels sing. Have you ever wondered why our beloved hymns were written? The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February is Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. This new resource includes background on 50 hymns, Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. What would you say if at an elders meeting or a church council meeting, maybe even a voters meeting, your pastor raised the subject of a sabbatical? Maybe he's been your pastor for decades, and you know that he's a hardworking guy. He doesn't complain. And he says, "I, I don't need just time off. This isn't about vacation. This is about actually taking some time away from the parish and even to a degree disconnecting from parish life in order to come back a better pastor. He's not in trouble. His marriage is fine. He's not thinking about leaving the congregation. He just needs a sabbatical. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about pastoral sabbaticals, Pastor David Peterson. He's pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and departmental editor of Goddess Saints, the Journal of Lutheran Liturgy. David, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. Pastors have lay people who work in factories or office jobs. They don't get sabbaticals. Why pastors? Well, I think the first answer should be, in an ideal world, factory workers would get sabbaticals, that this is actually the way that God created us to live with rhythms of work and rest. And the fact that it's not right in the world doesn't mean it shouldn't be right in the church. So it's not that pastors deserve sabbaticals in a way that lay people don't in the first place. It's that the world is wicked and just tries to work everyone to death, doesn't recognize the actual order of creation that includes rest. I mean, that's just kind of the reality of it. But the other thing is we should recognize that the office of the ministry is, however, complicated, and a lot of what goes on is very intangible. And because eternity is at stake, this can create a lot of burnout on top of the reality that a lot of times when everybody else is resting, the pastor is working. So Christmas and Easter are not restful times for the pastor, right? And as soon as the 12 days of Christmas are over, and maybe there'd be a break, school starts again. So The job does have some built-in difficulties that we need to guard against, and a sabbatical is one way to try to serve and to help with that. So what are we talking about when we say sabbatical? How are we defining that? We use the word sabbatical because that's the biblical word coming right out of the third commandment that every every week should have a day of rest. And in Exodus uh, 23, I think, also we have the year of rest every seven years. So this word Sabbath in Hebrew just means rest. But we're really talking here about kind of non-emergency times to rest. So there needs to be rest for renewal. That's the biblical mandate that we can't just work all the time, that we weren't meant to be slaves. But there's also this reality that rest is itself the gospel. Christ says, right, come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And it's a very gospel 
thing. It's, it's kind of amazing that there's a commandment that tells us not to do anything. There's also, I think, particularly for pastoral sabbaticals, this idea of rest as awe, to just rest in the gospel, to recognize that it doesn't have to be busy all the time, work all the time, and that the church is not ours, and it doesn't depend upon our efforts and our work and our efficiency and everything else, right? That this actually belongs to God, and to step back and embrace that and take the risk that that's a true statement is very healthy and good. And then finally, this whole idea of rest as being really set apart, again, distinct from the world, not acting the way of the world. You know, we're not running franchises. We're not trying to make the most hamburgers or get the most customers. And so all of that idea would be what I'm trying to propose as non-emergency sabbaticals, right? So these are legitimate, ordinary rhythms and recognized opportunities that need to be part of daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly life. That being said, there are emergency sabbaticals. And I think uh, in a way, the emergency sabbaticals kind of give a bad name. In fact, the people at the Lilly Endowment, for example, in Indianapolis and other organizations that are very interested in this kind of thing, they prefer the term pastoral renewal to sabbatical. And I think there's some merit to that, except it's not a biblical word. But one of the reasons they want to use that is to sort of distance themselves from the kind of emergency sabbaticals, which are also legit. So there are times in the life of the church when a pastor might have marriage problems or family difficulties or stress, even moral struggles that could be relating to that. The elders say to the pastor, you need to take some time off and get your affairs in order and get healthy again. And so that kind of a sabbatical can be a great intervention along with, of course, some other help. But that would be distinct from what we're talking about as the normal rhythm. That would be an emergency. Of course, mental health can also sometimes cause that if a pastor is struggling with anger or depression or mania or some kind of an addiction that doesn't necessarily require him to be removed from office, the elders might intervene before it does require him to be removed from office and say, you need a break, you need some distance, you need some help, we're going to give you the time for that. So those kinds of emergency sabbaticals have a purpose as well. The purpose is not to allow disqualified people to stay in the ministry, but it's rather to recognize and serve the fallible men and their families that serve in the pastoral office and to preserve them for the ministries. But that's a whole different topic. What I want to talk about today is this regular, rhythmic, deliberate, planned times of rest, sabbaticals. So how would you begin by approaching it biblically? Where would you find its basis there? Right in the third commandment, and then, of course, in the sabbatical year as well, and then in and then Jesus' words. And I would say that based on that, those two kinds of big issues, once a week, once every seven years, pastors ought to have one day off a week. And for that, they ought to rest during that time. They ought to do their chores. They ought to engage in their hobbies. In addition to that daily rest, I would say that it would be, and I've never done this. I'm going to try to do this for the first time this year, a two-week retreat per year that is work-oriented, deliberate, focused for the sake of reading and planning. It might have some enjoyment things in it, but it's a disconnected time. A lot of guys have done this and have recorded great success. I'm going to try it. I think it makes sense. But to have this idea that 
I'm not just going to squeeze this stuff in. I'm going to be deliberate about it, and I'm going to see it as a time of refreshment. And I think that could be split, maybe one week in the summer to deal with Advent and Christmas, one week in the winter to do with Lent and Easter. But let's plan it. Let's be deliberate so that we can have the best creativity and so forth possible. Then on top of that, there does need to be yearly vacation. And I would say four weeks is about right per year. And that should be family time. That should be for relaxing, refreshing. It should be fun. Ideally, every seven years, there ought to be a sabbatical year. Three months would be ideal to disconnect from the ministry's burdens, to actually step back as completely as possible, to not be present in the building or amongst the people with a focused renewal, a deliberate plan to refresh, to renew, not to plan, but to be fed for a while. And all of those pretty much ought to include a deliberate rest from technology also to sort of disconnect. So it sounds outrageous because of the world that we live in. But again, ideally, everybody, not just pastors, would have this. But this is something we can do for our pastors, recognizing the danger that they're in morally, spiritually, physically, and recognizing that we want them to stay healthy, that we want them to stay engaged in the ministry. We want them to be good preachers, to be good students, and to have the resources they need to do this. And one of the things they need is time and time to rest. The objection is automatically going to be, how can we afford this? Yeah, it's tough to afford, but there's things you can do. You don't have to go full born on all of these things. The very first thing actually for sabbatical, for rest, for refreshment, is actually that the pastor go to confession and absolution. This is the most underutilized pastoral resource and gift that we have. So right there, the pastor should make time and the elders rightly could ask him, are you going to confession? This ought to be the first thing. And that doesn't cost them a cent. Just go to confession. Next, this is in the district guidelines that we should notice and we should recognize. I mean, the the synod, the Missouri Synod in our case, right, is trying to recognize and help that we have a duty to take care of our workers. And one of them, part of that is to, you know, make sure they have a day off, make sure they have vacations, and ideally have sabbaticals. And I think that there are ways to do this that don't cost much money, if any money, though it's going to be a little bit difficult to cover the pulpit. That's going to probably cost something, but we'll talk about that in a minute. There are these doxology retreats that the Missouri Synod, if you're in the Missouri Synod, is fully funding. I'm not sure if it's LCEF or if it's the Synod itself, but somebody's paying for these things right now and have been for several years that pastors can go to these weekend retreats, doesn't cost the congregation a dime, and sit at the feet of Harold Sankbile and I don't know who all runs them now. But anyway, there's opportunities, there's things out there. If you're willing to look and you're willing to kind of spend the time with that, there's also, this does cost some money, but I think also continuing education opportunities are very refreshing. The pastor might gain a little skill at it, but he also gets away from things. And for my money, the D-Min program at Fort Wayne Seminary is just kind of an ideal sabbatical situation. And of course, conferences. So all of that kind of stuff, just to be deliberate and to give the pastor time to not always be there working in the office, making these visitations, writing sermons, but to get away, to be refreshed, to be fed, 
and to enjoy himself and uh, make that part of it. So that can all be done. You could also, if you're creative enough, you could try to figure out a way, maybe every seven years, to give the guy, say, eight weeks off if you can't do three months or six weeks off in a row where you cover the pulpit, you figure out a way to make it work, and you just simply, he doesn't have to go to Europe. He could just stay home, mow his lawn. But to give him something, it'd be ideal if you could give him a little more than that. That is, he could actually have a program to follow, but it can be done. The richest resource for us, the possibility of this, is the Lilly Endowment at Christian Theological Seminary in Indianapolis, because they are a granting organization. They give sabbatical or pastoral renewal grants to Christian congregations. The Missouri Synod qualifies. They're huge, $60,000. So first of all, let's just recognize you don't have to get the grant to do something, and everybody should be doing something. But it is a marvelous gift, and this lily and the possibility. And I've had two of these. I've done this twice, and it was just fantastic. Uh, It was wonderful. It was good for the congregation. It was good for me. It was good for my wife. There just really wasn't a downside to it. Pastor David Peterson is our guest. We're talking about pastoral sabbaticals. We'll hear about his two sabbaticals next. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with Ask, Seek, Knock, Jesus and Beelzebub, and Keep It, Sign of Jonah, and The Light in You. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Abide with me, crown him with many crowns, hark the herald angels sing. Have you ever wondered why our beloved hymns were written? The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February is Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. Learn more at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. This new resource includes background on 50 hymns, Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, Volume 2. Job saw the city as a wasteland, as if devoid of God, witnessing injustice to the poor by the corrupt, lawlessness of criminals, trafficking of children, blatant immorality, thinking God could not see wicked deeds done in the dark of night. Yet God never abandoned Job, nor his city, groaning for mercy. God is working through the living Redeemer, hands etched with salvation, pointing to the resurrection to come. Join us at lcms.org slash citymission to seek peace and shine the light in the city. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press. Saving Western Civilization One Student at a Time. Theology for Blue Collar, White Collar, and Clerical Collar. You're listening to Issues Etc. Issues Etc. guest Dr. Ben Mays of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Here's what Martin Luther says about the pastoral office. 
My pastor is practicing the virtue that increases God's kingdom, fills heaven with saints, plunders hell, robs the devil, wards off death, represses sin, preserves peace and unity, and plants all kinds of virtue in the people. In a word, he is making a new world. He builds not a poor temporary house, but an eternal and beautiful paradise in which God himself is glad to dwell. We are calling good men to step up. Come to Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Some of the hymns covered in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for February... Eternal Anthems, The Story Behind Your Favorite Hymns, Volume 2, Abide With Me, Amazing Grace, Crown Him With Many Crowns, I Am Jesus' Little Lamb, Lift High the Cross, Onward Christian Soldiers, Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow. And the authors are kind of a who's who of Issues Etc. guests on a regular basis, just a few of them. Pastor Bruce Kaseman, I see here, let's see... Pastor Stephen Starkey, he knows a little something about hymns. Dr. Gene Edward Veith, I recommend that you get Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, volume two. You can find it at our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040, 1-800-325-3040. Pastor David Peterson is our guest. We're talking about pastoral sabbaticals. You mentioned that you have been given two sabbaticals. Tell us about those. The grants are given by the foundation to the congregation. So you get this chunk of money. It wasn't as much. It's more than it used to be. $60,000. $15,000 of that goes to or can go to pastoral care. So it covers the biggest problem. The biggest problem is how are we going to afford pulpit supply and keep the ministry operating while the pastor's gone? And then the rest of it, it all goes to programming. The deal is to get this grant, the congregation has to agree to continue to pay the pastor full time. So you get paid like you're working, but you're not working at all. And then you get this extra money to go do this fun stuff. So it's, it's a marvelous experience. And the congregation, it doesn't impact their budget one way or the other. They don't gain anything from it directly, I mean financially, but they don't lose anything. So that's the way it works. My first one, we did, a, it was like family connection stuff. And we, the kind of gimmick, so to speak, was family board games. My kids were younger in those days. So we went to Germany to a board game convention, and I took my kids to go visit their godparents one-on-one. So I had time with them. We had time with these people we'd sort of lost track with, and and it was a great deal. And I did that for three months and came back, and and I did come back refreshed, energized, and, and ready to go to work. And then this last one was similar. The kind of gimmick thing was this darts playing. This one was actually, I think, far better in many ways. And uh, we did some travel again. We went, this time we went to the UK. We kind of connected it with sports performance. So I had a sports psychologist that was helping me work on my dart game, which I know sounds ridiculous, and in some ways it is, but it was all about sort of dealing with performance anxiety and recognizing kind of the stress that I was putting myself under unnecessarily. And it's been marvelous. 
I wouldn't say I'm a completely changed man, but I'm at least a slightly healthier man, sleeping a little better, I think thinking things in a, about things in a more balanced way. And a lot of that really was from the psychology, which was very interesting, but also just from the time to be able to be away and to do those things. So it was very beneficial. The congregation didn't burn to the ground either time. We didn't have a max exodus of members. It sounds like a lot, and it is, and I, I don't mean to in any way belittle it or diminish it because it was a marvelous gift. But at the same time, really, it was only three months. I mean, school teachers do this every summer, and they also get time off at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, and at spring break. I didn't get any of that. I just got the three months, which God be praised. But three months is not that long in the period of a life of a congregation. You can be gone for three months. I mean, I'm speaking to the pastors now. The problem for us, of course, is we do need an ordained ministry to keep things going. This is what's been mandated. We need preaching. We need the sacrament of the altar. And so I recognize that in some locations of the country, to find somebody to come and fill in for three months for $15,000 is not going to be as easy as it is in Fort Wayne. But I think that uh, if we can be creative enough, maybe even engage the help of the district or the circuit visitor and other people, I think we can get it done in most places. I think it is possible to share this burden. So that's kind of writ large the way that the grant works. It's a marvelous opportunity. It really does enable some real getting away, some real once-in-a-lifetime experiences, creates a lot of joy, and it gives you a chance to really reflect. So you had mentioned specifically this Lilly Grant. What's ineligible and what makes for a good application for something like that? Things that are ineligible are academic pursuits. This is where a lot of our guys, they just can't get over this because they want to go work on degrees. Well, good for you, but Lilly doesn't fund that. The other thing that makes it ineligible is if the pastor and the congregation are in any sort of conflict or high stress situation or if the pastor is on the edge of burnout. So this sabbatical grant or this pastoral renewal grant is not for emergency sabbaticals. If you need an emergency sabbatical, you need to probably talk to the district president. This is for congregations that are really kind of together and supportive of one another. So that's the sort of thing. And then the other thing that that sort of comes with this, it has to be congregational. These are grants for parish pastors. So it's not for pastors that work at institutions or for chaplains. You have to be serious about parish ministry. This isn't a stepping stone to you know, an academic position or a bureaucratic position. You have to be able to do some things here again, where our guys sometimes have trouble because we're kind of academically minded. And this seems wasteful sometimes to us as well. You have to be able to envision this as a means of renewing the pastor's commitment to the congregation and to the ministry. You need to be able to really buy in to the kind of goodness of this peculiar program as Lily has set it up. They title it, What Makes Your Heart Sing? And so the Lutherans all kind of balk at this. It's so emotional. Well, listen, I think it's totally ridiculous to judge this thing as bad stewardship. Somebody is offering you a gift. I mean, if you're sitting at a restaurant and somebody that just loves the ministry walks up and says, here's a $200 bottle of wine, have this on me, you know, you should just enjoy it. 
Could have they spent their money better? Could have they sent it to Papua New Guinea? Probably. I don't know. This, this isn't for me to decide. Don't let your eye be evil because they are good. The Lilly Foundation's trying to do something here. They're offering this gift. If you can receive it the way that they give it, God be praised, take it. If you cannot get behind this, if you think the idea of going to a sports psychologist and playing darts or board games and taking your children to visit their ancestral sites or whatever is just a waste of time and foolish and bad stewardship, then don't do it. There's plenty of these sabbaticals that would not meet our theological standards. It's sort of common almost, it seems to me, as I research this, is like a Methodist pastor will get one of these grants and his purpose expressly will be something like, you know, I've been a Methodist my whole life and I've always worshipped at Methodist churches and I want to try something new, so I want to go to Indonesia and worship with Muslims. And they'll fund that kind of thing because it's the Lilly Foundation. But you don't have to go that way. The fact that they fund that doesn't mean they can't fund things that you find rewarding and useful. So if you can get on board, great. If you can't, fine. It's a competitive grant program. So if you don't apply, it just makes it easier for the rest of us. That was a lot of uh, eligibility things, but those are the kinds of things that I think have to be taken into account and we have to recognize, again, they're the granting organization. They get to make the rules. If you think their rules are really stupid, and this is really a waste of time, that's your prerogative. Don't apply. I think you're missing a great opportunity. I think that this would be very good for you and for your family. I, I can tell you, Jackie and I, my wife, we had the time of our lives this summer. Seriously, the best time we've ever had our whole life. I could never have given that to her. I don't have the money to do something like that that we did this summer. But you know what I can do? I can write a long paper. And that's basically what this application process is. I know how to do that. I know how to read instructions and follow them. I know how to write sentences. So this is, is something I think you can give to your family. This is something that a congregation can give, or at least attempt to give to their pastor as a sign of love and support and encouragement that it's going to take some time for them to do. There's going to be some risk. It might require more work for them while he's gone, but it's an incredible gift. So it's just there. And I, from my perspective, not enough Missouri Synod guys get this. Pastor David Peterson is our guest. We're talking about pastoral sabbaticals. When we come back, how do you make it happen? This is Molly Hemingway of The Federalist. Join me, my husband Mark of Real Clear Investigations, Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod President Matt Harrison, and others for the 2023 Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org. Making the Case, June 16th and 17th in Chicago. Issuesetc.org. 
One of the most difficult decisions that a spouse has to make is the decision to put their beloved husband or wife into a long-term care facility as a result of mental illness. In the February issue of The Lutheran Witness, the Reverend Michael Casting tells the story of how he cared for his wife during her struggle with Alzheimer's and how he came to grips with this decision. To find out more, you can read his article in the February issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness or witness.lsms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Where doctrine is life. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. talking about pastoral sabbaticals. Pastor David Peterson is our guest. He is pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and departmental editor of Gottesdienst, the Journal of Lutheran Liturgy. So David, how do you make this happen, or at least attempt to make this happen? Okay, so that's a, well said. You need a good faith attempt. So that's why I'm kind of pushing this. you got to be serious about it. you got to meet their standards. The first thing you really need to do is you need to form a committee and you need to spend some real time. It's a long paper. It requires some research. It requires some effort. It's not particularly difficult, but you're going to have to do a lot of planning, a lot of talking, trying to find something that actually fits your personality, your congregation, your setting, and will fit within their criteria. If you want to go in, what is this, 2023? So we're talking about applying a year from now and then going in 2025. It's going to take you a year to get this application done if you really want to do it the right way or close to a year. It's due, the next one's due on March 15th this year, and that would be to go the following summer, 2024. It's too late if you're just hearing about this now. If you've been working on it for a couple of months, you might be able to pull it off. But get a committee in your congregation. Allow yourself to, to dream, to say, what would I do if I didn't have to do anything? A lot of guys do stuff like they'll go back to their first love. You know, I was a music major, but now, you know, I'm too busy with the ministry. I don't play the trombone. Or I love to carve wood. I want to go study with a wood carver in Europe. Or I love snakes and I want to go to the Amazon. So start exploring this, imagining it, working through it with the lay people, getting excited about it. There's a lot of places you're going to have to spend quite a bit of time explaining to the congregation why this is valuable, why it's not just a big vacation. I mean, it is kind of, it's similar to a vacation, but it's a focused, deliberate thing. And then it's not just go play darts or go look at snakes. 
it does need to have a cohesive reality to it. It does need to be programmatic and it needs to be comprehensive. So they've got lots of material on the website. You should read that very thoroughly multiple times. You should watch the videos on the website. You should listen to the podcast. You should definitely read the three books that they recommend and do the work. It's going to be in the end, it's not going to just be looking at snakes, you know, it's going to be looking at snakes, but then also, you know, spending time reflecting and visiting sacred sites and connecting to your family and meditating upon. So you're going to have this all written in. And you also have to, which we didn't talk about at all, there's a congregational aspect to this as well that while the pastor is gone for those three months, they need to be engaged in some way in parallel activities, not at the same level. But if I'm off playing board games, they might play board games. You might have a board game night in some way. So there's lots of information out there. Again, it's really worth it. And then I'd say, read the website very thoroughly, get the books, And then you can uh, send me an email and I'd be happy to try to help you with it, to give you what advice I might and to encourage you in the process. Were you really able to truly disconnect from the congregation? Yeah, I really was. And I think a lot of that was because the congregation bought into it so fully and perhaps because we'd done it once before. But It was amazing in the sense that sort of embarrassing to say, but within three days, actually, of being like, you know, when I stopped working and I'm just kind of at home resting, mowing the lawn, you know, doing all these chores I hadn't done. And all of a sudden I'm sleeping and I hadn't been sleeping. And I just didn't realize the stress that I was under. So not having to go to work and not having sort of all of this it really did change me in a way, at least for a while. And I've come back, I think, in Renewed. And the congregation we did have when I was overseas, we did have a death in the congregation, one of our dear shut-ins. And the pastor that was covering sent me an email to tell me, which I appreciated. And I was able to call the widower and talk to him on the phone. But that was the only time that I really had any real thing that was sort of close to ministerial or pastoral. I really did step away all the way. They enabled that. They did save up some things for me. I will say that. Uh, when, I, when I came back, it, it did feel a little bit like walking into a buzzsaw, but it was okay. It was worth it. So I really did disconnect, and I really did feel like a different person for a while in a way that was, I think, good. I'm also thankful for what it's worth. I was ready to come back, too. It did actually work that I think I was more productive this fall than I have ever been. I was doing quite a bit of stuff with you guys, and it was a wonderful time. And so I think it actually worked at a practical level. This is the kind of thing I'm thinking here now of a young pastor who doesn't have a lot of time, but he's jumped in with both feet, and he's realizing in year two and three and four how hard this is going to be and how stressful it's going to be, and it is. But What's the earliest point at which a pastor says, guys, let's start talking about a sabbatical? Well, I'd say to start talking about it in year four is not too early because, again, it's going to take you at least a year to to do the planning. If you're going to do the lily thing, it's going to take a year. Between the time you apply and the time you go, it's going to be another 15 months. So really, I mean, in year four, it's not too early to start thinking about it because it's going to be six and a half years before you'd actually go. But 
I do think it's fair to say that the young guy probably doesn't need to start talking about this in the first or the second year, at least in terms of details. But he could start talking about, and should anyway, just teaching the biblical reality of the need for rest, that God created us to rest, that we're not in control of the church and we don't make it grow by our efforts. So, I mean, he should start to lay down the theological foundation of what it is to live within creation as God's prized possession and those for whom Christ himself is rest and has bought rest. Pastor David Peterson is pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and departmental editor of God Estates, the Journal of Lutheran Liturgy. David, thank you very much. My pleasure, Todd. Issues Etc. has been brought to you in part today by Lutherans for Life. Check out their free pro-life resources at lutheransforlife.org, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutherans for Life, lutheransforlife.org. Friday on Issues Etc., we'll visit with acquitted pro-life activist Mark Hauk, and we'll have pastors Brian Wolfmiller and Brian Ketchelmeyer respond to your unanswered Bible questions. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Clayton from Zion Lutheran Church of Mascuta, Illinois, a proud supporter of Issues Etc. Zion is a congregation firmly grounded in God's grace given in the Word and Sacraments where we treasure the timeless beauty of the liturgy. Zion is also a vibrant, young, family-friendly congregation where you would be warmly welcomed. Zion is located at 101 South Railway Street in Mascuta, Illinois, and we would love to share God's gifts of grace with you. For more information, please visit our website at zionmascuta.com. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, invites you to an open house from 1 to 3, Sunday afternoon, February 5th. Take a tour, visit with faculty and administration, and find out more about financial assistance and scholarships. For more information, visit the Facebook page for Metro East Lutheran High School or call 618-656-0043. Open house at Metro East Lutheran High School, Edwardsville, Illinois, Sunday afternoon, February 5th.